Maryland sports fans, there's only one sports book in the great state of Maryland with over 50 years experience booking bets and supporting customers. Betfred Sportsbook at Long Shots is now open and is the only sports book in Frederick offering cash betting on football, basketball, world soccer, and more. Visit the Betfred Sportsbook at I-270 and MD-85 in Frederick, right next to Longshot's Off-Track Betting. Go to BetfredSports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey there, Rock fans. Welcome to episode number 23 of the Ugly American Werewolf in London Rock Podcast, recorded here off Abbey Road in central London. And speaking of Abbey Road, I was strolling by the studios today, and outside they have painted along the wall, under the fence, outside of the studio, the album of the Plastic Ono Band. It's the 50th anniversary of the release of John Lennon and the Plastic Ono Band. A lot of stuff about it on Twitter, and it's cool that they kind of put the album cover up there on the wall and had some positive messaging on there, a reminder of this great album. And of course, you could buy it in the Abbey Road gift shop right next door. But it's great to be out and about in London again. People are getting their jabs. The She-Wolf and I have both gotten our first jab. And we're hoping to maybe do some traveling, maybe even to the U.S. in the near future. We'll see. Quickly, I want to remind you that if you want to follow us, check us out on Twitter at Ugly underscore Werewolf or at ActionJack72 if you want to follow Action. And you can check out all past episodes at www.UglyAmericanWerewolf.Libsyn.com. Of course, you can subscribe and download Apple, Spotify, Amazon, most anywhere you get your podcasts. This week, we decided to take a different tact. Not going super hard rock and not doing stuff that we've listened to over and over over the years or have grown into in recent years. No, we're going to go for yet another UK band that was very important to our formative years but not one we'd really kept up with recently, and that's Duran Duran. In the early 80s and the onset of MTV, Duran Duran could not have been bigger. It was basically Beatlemania in America with Duran Duran. It was basically called the second coming of the second British invasion. It was unbelievable, and you couldn't have had MTV. MTV would not have had their success or the impact that it had on society without Duran Duran in those early days. And I had the first four albums, Duran Duran, Rio, Seven and the Ragged Tiger, and Arena. Had them all on cassette, still do. And then after that, I kind of grew up a little bit. MTV changed a little bit. Duran Duran had some breakups and some ups and downs, and they went through some lineup changes and some different faces, but they kept going, and they're still going today. And they were supposed to do an enormous concert in Hyde Park this summer, which has been rescheduled. So Jackson and I thought we would go back and rediscover this old music and remember what it meant to us and especially the videos. You can't tell the story of Duran Duran without their videos and without MTV. So for all you children of the 80s, all you classic MTV heads, everyone around the world, I want you to listen to our take on Duran Duran here on The Wolf. Podcast listeners, Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. 
Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Well, did you have fun researching and going back and, and looking up the Duran Duran stuff for this show? Uh, yeah, correct, correct. And and my whole thing on this deal is if you and this even happened with the cult, you go back and you listen to it like not because you not because you want to, but you have to. Mm-hmm. But it, when I say have to, it's like you okay. I, well, let me let me get my hands around what's happening here. I think I get a better appreciation for this stuff. Yeah, I mean, I kind of discovered that though I had the first four tapes of Duran Duran, at least the American versions of them, I realized I really only listened to the hits a lot. You know, mm-hmm. the songs I like, or at least those ones. Like maybe I listened to it all the way through once and then after that I was skipping to the hits and the songs that I like it's the way I was which is funny because eventually and not that long from there ironically maybe five years down the road I wanted to hear the whole album I wanted to hear the whole thing but yeah when I was 9, 10, 11 years old I wanted to just kind of hear the hits and so I had to go back to listen to everything the album cuts because I had forgotten them but honestly when you do Duran Duran you can't just listen to the songs you gotta watch the videos too because that's what Duran Duran were they basically made MTV. Correct. Yeah, I, I was thinking about that. You know, there's there's somebody who said, "Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna come up with this new concept." All right, what do you got for me? It's a channel, 24 hours a day, that's gonna play music. All right, that's not gonna work. That's a stupid idea because you listen to music, you don't watch it. No, 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 no. They're gonna make these little movies for the song. They're not gonna do that. Most of these people, it's it's a it's a it's something that you just listen to. That's it. Because you'd have to have somebody that had they were could write pop songs that people want to listen to were attractive to look at and could make high concept video Duran Duran I mean there's you could not have asked for a more perfect mix on there because if you go back and listen to those old if you watch old MTV videos like from back in the day mm-hmm. a lot of the songs were terrible they were just terrible songs the the people were weird looking right. or they made videos that you're like what was this like a three dollar deal in the back of somebody's van like what is this thing but they spent a lot of money and I didn't realize they had Russell Mulcahy back in the day like he did the yep. real videos mm-hmm. I thought he was just because they made a huge deal out of the wild boys because that cost a zillion dollars and right. he did that and I knew that but I didn't know he was he did that but that makes a lot more sense because I'm like yeah this was high concept. It was. Uh, yeah, and just coming back to, to learn some more about this stuff. So Spando Ballet, I guess, and Duran Duran were kind of this new romantics thing here in the UK. Duran Duran are from Birmingham. And, you know, you think of Birmingham, you think of Black Sabbath, you think of Judas Priest, you know, uh, you think of hard, heavy, you know, I got to get out of the steel town kind of heavy rock guys. But Bur- Duran Duran came out of Birmingham and they worked, I guess, and played at a club called called Rum Runner that was owned by their managers. And I guess Spando Ballet had also kind of come up and and they were both kind of these titans, these new romantic titans. And for a while, especially in the UK, regarded as a, you know the two the two bands that really kind of made that happen. Whereas, and I think Spando is really big in the UK and in Europe. Spando in the US is really just true. That's all we really know of them. Right. Uh, but but Duran Duran, especially because of all these videos, and they kept you know re-releasing stuff and doing remixes and staying on top of things. 81, 82, 83, 84, They were all over MTV. They owned it. Well, what I thought was interesting is that they were talking about in that documentary. The uh, there's something you should know. Mm-hmm. They, they never said anything about like being from London. They're like, we love Birmingham. It was a great place. They had a great music scene. We never were those guys that were like, oh, if only we were from a big town. Yeah. So I guess that was a cool place to be at that point in time. Like you said, they had the clubs, they had the other bands. Mm-hmm. I think if you go back and look at the the places where interesting, cool music came from, mm-hmm. you know, if you look at like the grunge from Seattle right. or the, the Sunset Strip bands, it was all it was the same formula. It was a small place where these guys came together in different bands and they were competing with each other. They were fans, but also in competition. Like the recipe is always the same. Right. Yeah, no, good point there, Jackson. You know, yeah, you get some like minds together, you 
could develop a scene and it wasn't just the music it was one of those things where the fashion you know and the hair mm-hmm. all kind of created a scene you know and a scene that would be good for magazines and and good for tv ultimately and it kind of was born out of the punks you know, the, i feel like these are guys who love david bowie but then they had just lived through the punk time where the uh, fashion was different i won't say fashion wasn't important it was very important uh, for punk but it was a dirtier thing whereas this was more of a made-up thing girls liked it you know lots of color not dirty hair really polished up crazy you know hairdresser's dream kind of hair well and it was interesting too because boy george said something i guess he was from birmingham too mm-hmm. and it was really interesting to hear his take on this whole thing because it's like in 1983 culture club and duran duran were you know they were going head to head and then yeah. they kind of just faded out they didn't have the staying power but he said that rum runner club when you walked in it was almost like a catwalk like when you went there you were like okay I got my look tight. I'm there to compete on a who looks the best. Like mm-hmm. you know, you want the you want people to walk in back. Oh man, I thought I was tight, but this guy, he's got it all going on with the look. And yeah, very very like I'm a fan of yours, but I also want to beat you mm-hmm. as far as being the king dingling there. So yeah, it was it was interesting because I didn't know anything about that. Exactly. You know, we were awfully young when when MTV was launched August first, nineteen eighty one. We were eight. You know, um, and, and we hadn't been following the scene in England or, you know, didn't know anything about punk music. MTV came on and kind of exposed us to all sorts of amazing stuff. And they couldn't just play the stuff we would hear on the radio, right? They wouldn't just play Led Zeppelin and the Rolling Stones and what we would hear on rock radio because they didn't have that much of that stuff around. And they wanted stuff that was new. And so here come these folks out of England that have total new look. It's colorful. It's engaging for the camera. And it's a new sound, that techno new wave thing kind of took the punk idealistics of, you know, let's keep this short and sweet, but also incorporated some of the, I don't know if it's proggy or not, I always tend to, when I think of keyboards now, I start to think of that influence that prog had in the 70s that got kicked out by punk. But then these new romantics brought a lot of that stuff back, and kind of Roxy Music-ish stuff, to kind of make this pop new wave thing work. Yeah, and it, it was kind of a new... It was kind of a new sound, and like you said, going back through there and listening to some of the album cuts that you didn't, you didn't really, I'm not going to say you never heard them before, but you didn't really give it the time of day that it needed to. That's right. And there was one song off of the Rio album that's called My Way. Yeah. And if you listen to it, it starts off and you're like, this is like a disco song. Yeah. But then when the vocals come in, it's not disco at all. It's it's signature Duran Duran with, mm-hmm. with Simon Le Bon. And he's, you know, we had talked earlier about Don Henley having a rock and roll voice. Yeah. Le bon has got a rock and roll voice. Like there's no other person. You know what his his uh his vocal delivery sounds like. And it was, I think that was the deal. As John Taylor said, he was a very big fan of Chic mm. and uh, Bernard, the bass player from the band, and you know that incorporating that kind of like that '70s like funk feel almost into that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot going on. And I thought a really good point that I think it was Mick, uh, not Mick Ronson, uh, Mark Ronson mm-hmm. made in that documentary is that these guys never got credit for being really good musicians and putting together these songs. They were always like, oh, you guys are just pop, playboy, nothings. No, these were good songs. No, in my own way, you're right. That was actually the first single released in Britain. That wasn't released as a single in America, but that was the first Uh single in in Britain. And so when I went and watched the video, it was interesting because when you think of Rio, you think of them in Sri Lanka and Antigua, those kind of James Bondish gentleman adventurer videos that they did in these extraordinary places. But the My Own Way video was very much like the stuff they did for the first record. And, you know, glossed up a little bit, you know, nicer studio, maybe had some backup girls around or whatever, cool clothes. But it was it was just basically the next step of that. Whereas once you saw those videos for Rio and Hungry Like the Wolf and, and Save a Prayer in these exotic locales, like, whoa, that's a game changer, man. All shot on film. High quality stuff, man. It, it upped the game for the whole genre of music video. And it was very 
the whole thing was very sexual. Both, I mean, any way you want to play that. For ladies or people who are uh, in, in infatuated with men sexually, mm-hmm. five, well, maybe three good-looking guys and two <laughs> kind of okay-looking guys. <laughs> so you could pick your favorite. I mean, no offense, Andy Taylor. I'm sorry. You know, I love you, but, yeah, you know. He was probably number five also, uh, on the photogenic yeah, scale, I would say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, but yeah. But but for, for heterosexual men, mm-hmm. it sold you a lifestyle where these guys, yeah, they went to exotic locations. They had great clothes. They were very confident looking, and there were just hot women everywhere in these videos. It was just like, I want to be these guys so bad and live this lifestyle of just a nonstop world tour party. Even as an eight-year-old, you're like, well, this is really cool. How do I get in on this? I mean, I, I can do this. I mean, like... We're not these skinny white real. guys running around in nice clothes. I'm like, I'm a skinny white guy. Get my hair done and get yeah. me some clothes and I can do this. Correct. <laughs> yeah, I'm halfway there. But like, like one thing that I was looking at in that Rio video, they're in, they're in the Bahamas. They're on this giant boat going, you know, 100 miles an hour. But they're wearing like zillion dollar suits. Mm-hmm. They're not wearing like they – so like that juxtaposition of we're so cool that we wear suits when we're on a boat. Yeah, I, I think those suits got Whoa. ruined making that video, by the way. I hope they got well, two, yeah, two, but, two of each. Yeah, but you look, at least you'll look good on the thing. And then there was always there, – then there was the holy grail of MTV videos back then for a young child. If you were cool enough and if you could stay up late enough, every once in a while they'd play the girls on film Euro with some nudity in it and that was like oh i can't even believe this is happening that's so funny man they so their managers knew if they could make a video that would get on in discos and dance clubs which now had video screens in there or you know get on the new playboy tv after dark kind of thing that would give them you know a sexy kind of image and of course it could it, you know in that form the six minute version that that does have some nudity and some hypersexualism going on in it um still not you know ready for mtv still needs to be on hbo or something like that they ban it right and they say oh there's this way sexy video that we can't show you here's the the one we've kind of trimmed down for you and even some people thought that one was a little too hot so yeah, I I just I must have seen the the R-rated one back in the day at some point, but I I'm pretty sure doing research for the show was the first time I sat and watched the whole thing all the way through. Well, and then that's the thing too. Like I was trying to think about that. Like, did I actually ever see it as a kid, or was it one of those things where it was like you would when you went to school? Oh, I saw that. You did? No, no, no. I was on at like two o'clock. Like, you weren't watching TV at two o'clock. No, I swear, because it was you know it, it was, was apologized. Yeah, it was, it was out there in the ether. But but real quick on that, on the my own way, you were talking about the video, which was weird because it never hit in the United States. So they were making they were making tons of videos. I think you're right for the clubs, but that track is I think a lot better on the record because they it's a lot slower. Mm. Not a lot slower, but it's it's maybe like half a half a step slower, and it just sounds cool. And it's weird because I'm I'm guessing that they said. This is it had to go to the club. It has to be more. It has to be faster. Mm-hmm. It has to be more of an upbeat thing. So it's just cool that they did that to kind of mess with it a little bit. And then the other cool thing was you touched on this before. They've got a lot of mixes. They've mm. got a whole deal that they call the the night mix right. for a lot of these songs. And then there's another one if you really want to go into it called After Dark. Mm-hmm. mix and if you hear the after dark girls on film it's phenomenal john taylor is just ripping it up on the bass it's so funky and i'm like wow i really wish we were cooler in the united states and could have heard that i know at some point it was interesting that they kind of the way they released their records um and how we eventually got them in the united states and yeah they have all these different remixes i think they have more remixes than they have original songs if you go back through everything that's been re-released over the years the catalog is huge with remixes and apparently it was a remix of a lot of the songs from rio called carnival which they put out as an ep which was really hitting big in dance clubs and it's worse you heard some of those remixes on there and so now duran duran is being kind of rebranded as a dance group more than this new romantic new wave thing or whatever that was 
And then once their videos hit, I mean, I think they really just exploded. I mean, 1982, 83, 84, my God, must have been crazy for these guys. And you're right, they, they don't get the credit as musicians because they were such pretty boys, like Tiger Beat cover boys, right? I mean, you could do seven issues in a row having one or some combination of the members of Duran Duran. None of the girls would have complained. But they they weren't a boy band put together like Take That or New Kids on the Block or something like that. These are guys who found each other, just like Aerosmith found each other, musicians who came up in a certain spot and found each other. And they wrote all these songs, all music by Duran Duran, always, you know, they'd write them together. And John Taylor's bass is is killer for a for a white boy, man. Correct. And and the, the, I think the thing that, that kind of helped them along too was the fact that, you know, talking about Boy George, I mean, let's face it, Culture Club was Boy George. He was the face of it. He was the whole deal. Mm-hmm. But with this thing, it really felt more like a band. Like these guys were together. They didn't, it wasn't always just one or two guys doing interviews. They, they kind of had their own personalities. And, you know, like, you know, Andy was the bad boy and, mm-hmm. you know, the guitar player. And, and I think he's another dude too. Like he doesn't play, he doesn't play flashy. He plays very Spartan mm-hmm. stuff. But it, in the context of the band, it's really good. And so, yeah, I think that that's kind of what helped them along, too, is they could kind of, at least at the beginning, stay together, kind of in this shell of mm-hmm. a band and not get picked apart. It, it would happen later, but at the beginning, they kind of they were kind of all together. Yeah, and you bring up, the, I mean, look, most of the guitar, I mean, most of the music we listen to is very guitar-driven. It's often two mm-hmm. guitars. It's it's kind of led by the guitar. In older years, we've kind of gotten a little more proggy and into different things. But this was a time that, yeah, it was a break from just guitar-driven rock, which was all that was really coming out of America, and and classic rock, you know. And yeah, he, he plays essential, just what he has to play, and, and has a little guitar texture on there, but it's it's essential to to Duran Duran's sound. Actually, absolutely, you know, he, he was a, he was a part of that. All five of them were. You no, know, it, it is cool because when you listen to it, like you said, it, a lot of the stuff that we like is the the guitar hook drives the deal, and mm-hmm. everybody else kind of builds around that. And this, if you go back and listen to a lot of it, is John Taylor's bass. But there are there are songs that start with the guitar. There's some songs that start with the uh, with the keyboards, and then I mean, like Wild Boys, that's the drum. And then everybody else comes in on top of that. So they, they did a pretty good job of it's not always the same formula over and over and over again. That's right. And But, you know, they grew. Um, they stayed, you know, kind of true to the roots, but continued to grow through those first. Look, for me, Duran Duran, even though they've gone on, they've made 14 records at this point. They're still working. They've been working with now Rogers. You mentioned how John Taylor, like Bernard from Chic. Well, now Rogers, who was the guitar player, lead songwriter, and just absolute genius of Chic. Cheek, record producer extraordinaire. He's been working with them for a long time. You know, helped them with the Reflex and Wild Boys, and has produced a lot of the records. Helped them write a lot of their songs. They had a hit a couple of years ago, thanks to Now Rogers. I mean, they continue to do their thing. But in my mind, in my nostalgic brain, Duran Duran occupy a kind of certain space, and it's that early '80s MTV. Space. It's not that I don't like stuff they've done latter days, but that's just kind of who they are to me. I'm glad they've kept going. You know, I'm glad they've ditched me. Hell, you know, here's the thing. They probably just pick up a new generation of girls, and that's why they keep going, right? There's, there's some of the older right. moms in the audience, but then a new generation of girls like, oh, I like that song. That's <laughs> and then they go. That's different than most rock bands. You rely on the guys to keep them going, you know, but uh, they, yeah. they've had an incredible run. Yeah, but, but unfortunately, what you love is going to kill you. And so I think by 1985, when they did A View to a Kill, which was the first number one James Bond uh, theme, mm-hmm. and then they kind of, they split off and did the Power Station and Arcadia. Yeah. After that, I think the mainstream MTV, they kind of got pushed, they were old by that point in time. The, the people want new, 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 new on MTV. So while they were still going on, they did not enjoy that number one status anymore. And I think, you know, like people like us, by that point in time, we had kind of moved on. You know, we were now listening to more rock radio stuff. And right. we're like, oh, the new Duran Duran album's out. <sighs> yeah, that's... I mean, that's the thing, man. So Seven and the Ragged Tiger comes out in 83, and they have some songs that, you know, go on the charts in 84. 84, you get Arena, the live album, with the new hit Niles Rogers produced, Wild Boys, with the extraordinarily expensive video with Laban on the windmill going into the water. It's crazy. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then they do, uh, 
the James Bond uh, track. And then 1986 is when Notorious comes out after Power Station did their thing and after, you know, they did their thing with Arcadia. And I got a side note on the name Arcadia in a minute. But anyway, yeah, 86 things had changed. I mean, in 83, I was 10 when their last record came out. Now in 86, I'm 13. Life changes at 13. You know, I was in the fourth or fifth grade. Now I'm in the eighth grade. Yeah, Duran Duran suddenly wasn't my thing anymore. But like Notorious, I'm like, well, I'm glad they're still going. It's not really what I'm going to listen to and buy anymore, but I'm, I'm glad they're still out there doing their thing. Yeah, and, and I think that, yeah, like you said, that, that generation that had grown up with them had, had moved on or was you know just too old to really care anymore. And I think that they were not given the same kind of love on MTV they were right. at the beginning. And so, yeah, it was just kind of like they, they had to soldier on. And then at the same time, too, it, was, it wasn't the same thing. It was the three of them. It wasn't the original band anymore. Right. That was kind of a weird story, too. I thought that they were – I thought that people had gotten – thrown out but it turned out like andy and roger like they just didn't want to do it anymore right. they what they wanted there was just too much so they and it was cool because john said that when they were arcadia and power station they were two groups and then they came together for live aid and he said that was just really weird like nobody wanted to be there but then when it was just the three of them then they galvanized again as the, as the trio and said okay you know here we go we're moving on and what I thought was just on a, on a quick deal, they were talking about that movie with Roger Taylor talking about how when he was a kid, his old man worked at the Rover factory as a laborer. And, you know, people thought that I would I would follow in, in his footsteps as he's banging it in a $200,000 uh, Aston Martin. I'm right. like, yeah, you proved them wrong because, yeah, that worked out for you. Yeah, that's that's pretty pretty awesome man and I, I mean i'm happy for all these guys they've ended up having pretty good lives you know and they've continued to be able to work when they wanted to i think andy's had some issues and you know they got back together in 2004 2006 look so our arc is huge in our lives in the mtv call it 81 to 84 or so right um, you know they come back in 86 with notorious it's not really our thing. They make a couple more records that don't really do anything. And then when we're in college, they have the Duran Duran, the wedding album with a couple of huge hits, right? Uh, right. And then they're kind of, it's kind of like they're back, but they're not, you know, a techno pop group necessarily anymore. They're kind of an older, and they kind of got this R&B thing to them too. And I think part of that's yeah. the base of John Taylor as well. But And then working with folks like Nile Rodgers and, and Tony Thompson from Chic, I mean, and, and Bernard, I mean, you know, it's uh, it, it kind of gives them a flavor. And, and it's it's interesting too because I was looking at at the, some of this research for this deal, and on the Duran Duran album, they had uh, and and albums previous to that, they had picked up not a, an official member, but a you know honorary member of Warren uh, Cucurello right. from uh, Missing Persons. Yeah. But I didn't realize he was also from Frank Zappa's band. And you don't get to play with Frank Zappa unless you're really good at what you do. So I'm like, huh. Interesting. I always thought it was weird that they never picked him back up again when Andy Taylor left. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the circumstances were, but yeah, that guy, that guy's really good. And to take a step back real quick and talk about the power station, mm -hmm. thank you to those two guys for introducing me to Tony Thompson, who beats the drums like he like they stole something from him. <laughs> he unfortunately, you know, he's no longer with us. But I mean, to me, that power station record is a lot about Tony Thompson just laying it down. And I think Arcadia was more like it was more like Duran Duran, mm -hmm. like the the songs that they did. But this was more like rock music, right? And it, it, that was really cool because you had the two of them. It had Tony Thompson, who I didn't know, but I knew that the drums were awesome. And then they had Robert Palm, who was just a cool dude. And that was a, that was a cool side project that never really went anywhere. I don't think they played all together, but it was a cool kind of change of pace for them. No, that's cool. You know, and obviously Robert Palmer did Riptide not long after that. And how many of those did he sell, man? You know, I mean, he was right. a huge star at that point. <laughs> The, the side note, because everything comes back to Asia at some point here. Um, <laughs> As yeah, it should. Yes. Um, after they made Astra, they were going to release an EP in Japan, and it was going to have their B-sides from the first two albums, plus a song off of Astra. So it was Ride Easy, Daylight, and Lying to Yourself, which were the, you know, the big B-sides. The song from Astra was Too Late, which is interesting because it wasn't the B-side from Go, which was the big single there, but they included Too Late along with the original B-sides from the first two albums. They were going to release that as Arcadia, and then the Duran Duran band Arcadia kind of came out, so to 
to not be confused, they released it as Aurora, a little Asia fact for you. Ah, interesting. Sticking with the, you have to have the A name on there. It, yeah, exactly. I can imagine that was kind of like, they did what? <sighs> All right, well, scrap that. But no, so, so Duran Duran kind of came back in our lives in 93. Again, not an album we're going to buy, but we heard it out, you know, around, and it was kind of in the, you know, in the air. Well, and I, I think it was kind of cool, too, because it made you go back, it made you think for a minute, hey, wait a minute, because I think that was about the time, too, when that, or it could have been a little bit before, they put out that Decade record oh, that yeah. was the greatest hits. So it was like that, hey, yeah, I remember these guys. Like, it kind of it brought them back to you. Front, and then you started to listen to the back catalog too again of the hits but i mean that that kind of reintroduced them to the world i mean they were they were not the ori- original duran duran songs but they could hold their own on mtv i mean those were big mtv hits uh come undone and ordinary world yeah big hit. and uh yeah again introducing them to a new group of people yeah and we had decade on cd it was one of my mm-hmm. early pickups and and yeah if we wanted to just chill by ourselves we might put on the cult or something but you know we want the girls to come visit we put on the Duran Duran it works every time you know and then Correct. and then we you know and then but it was great because then I had View to a Kill first time I, I ever owned that and, and then I could hear Notorious and some of the stuff they did you know after that and, and say alright well this isn't bad it's, it's not my jam but you know this is good stuff mm-hmm. um, you know and, and so yeah they were back and then I, I kind of let them go and they kind of went off and did their own thing throughout the 90s and then the early 2000s yeah the whole band got back together and they did Astronaut um, in 2004 and, and generated a lot of hype i mean they thought they might do half a year's worth of shows and they did two years worth of shows because the demand was high and it doesn't surprise me to get them all back together to hear all those songs for the first time in a really long time it had been 20 years at that point really since they did a tour that's pretty exciting yeah and they uh i like that movie the the, the something you should know but I kind of feel like they glossed over a lot of things, like the whole deal with Andy Taylor, like leaving in the middle of the tour. And they're like, well, you know, he wanted to stay at home and, you know, he had different priorities. You know, they wanted to just strangle him to death with their bare hands at that point in time. This is a massive undertaking that we were selling as the original band. And you're like, hey, you know what? I'm out of here. I'll see you guys. There had to be some other kind of animosity there. I, I, I don't know what his deal was. Something else had to go on there where he was just like, I'm not doing this. Well, I, I'm not, I'm- I got a feeling he had some alcohol issues. And uh, I get the feeling he may have also been homesick, you know. These guys may have had women all over them, but for the most part, these guys are very married, settled guys. Mm. Um, you know, and you know Simon Lebon been married to the same woman for thirty six years or something like that, man. I mean, that's you know now in the three or four years before that, who knows? But I, I mean, I that hope doesn't count. Yeah, I hope for his <laughs> sake he got it out of his system, and I got a feeling he had the opportunity to. Uh, you know, all of them. I think the other thing too might might be for Andy is that you know it's it's like uh, you know I've run a marathon before. Okay, right. cool. You know, so you're good. And then it's like I can't do this. Like it, it just the physical the amount that it puts on your body. And yeah, if you're you know into drinking a lot or whatever, yeah, it's like my body just can't. I can't give you a hundred percent every night. Yeah. I can't go out there and just crush it and then. 24 hours later, do it again. Yeah, 24, 20 years older, man. I mean, that's that's yeah. crazy. You know, you're and you think, oh, I can do this like I did when I was a kid. You can't. And then all of a sudden, the doors started to open for them again. Really started. Look, they didn't even have a record contract when they first got back together. Like they could not get signed. So like, okay, well, let's see if we a tour gets anybody excited. You know, and then then oh, okay, yeah, now yeah, we'll sign you. Heck yeah, you know, because it was selling out everywhere, and people of a certain age, especially women of a certain age, flock back to see them. You know, it was a big deal. So then they kept. What you do, what you do, you keep adding dates. You go on more TV shows. You know, you keep doing more award shows. Whatever it is, you, you keep working because you haven't been able to do this in a long time. It's lightning in a bottle, and you got to just ride the wave. And yeah, and I think it's it's cool that that all those. You, well, I mean, like Nile Rodgers have been around for a long time, but like you know, guys like Mark Ronson that were you know, I mean, I think he's. I think he was born in 75, so he's a kind of about our age. Right. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I was a huge fan. I couldn't wait to work with them. And and it just it shows you how they can morph into not into a new thing. They're they're not stuck with like, you know, like if you if, if you said there's a new Spandau Ballet album coming out, you'd be like, I don't know there isn't. What are you talking about? But Duran Duran? Oh yeah, oh, okay, that's cool. cool. Yeah. And they're working with these people. Yeah, it makes sense. They were huge fans growing up. 
they, they can't wait to work with these guys. Yeah, that's cool that they have evolved and they've continued to keep themselves fresh and make new music. And they're working on their 15th record right now. That's crazy, 15 albums. They're not like on a tour with Flock of Seagulls and Modern English and The Fix, you know, doing your three or four songs and then, you know, running somebody else out there. They probably headline, sure, but they don't have to do that. You know, they've got <laughs> their own extraordinary catalog over 40 years, which is Pretty cool. You know, it's funny you mentioned Spando Ballet. They have, you know, a couple of dozen hits over here, and they're big in Europe. In America, they're true, and that's about it, you know, to, to the American kind of zeitgeist. So, but he, um, Gary Kemp, who is the guitar player, uh, and played Whitney Houston's manager in The Bodyguard, he and Guy Pratt, who you know is the bass player, he played in Floyd those two last tours, and is, is with... Oh, uh, okay. They're both, yeah. they're both right now in Nick Mason's Saucer Full of Secrets. They're kind of co-lead singers, bass player and guitar player in, in Nick Mason's, where they do pre-Dark Side Floyd tunes. And so they've in lockdown, they've created a cool podcast called The Rock on Tours. And uh, it's cool because they not only know music and, and know equipment and stuff like that, but they know a lot of these guys. So obviously they've done one with Nick and they did one with Johnny Marr, but they did one with John Taylor. That was pretty good. And of course, Guy can talk to him about bass stuff. And then Gary Kemp can talk to him about, you know, remember the days back at the Rum Runner, remember the days first getting on top of the pops and stuff like that. Remember, you know, costumes, we basically wore the clothing and and coming up like that. So I recommend that one. I mean, I recommend it. I think it's one that you would like to listen to anyway. Well, if you're, if you're recommending things to watch, uh, John Taylor does have a uh, YouTube, I don't know if it's a channel, but he's got a series that he calls a stone love bass odyssey. Yeah. Where he runs you through how they wrote these songs. And to me, it is fascinating because, you know, he says, okay, we started with this and then I kind of put the, I kind of put the bass line in and then we changed it a little bit. And like he was talking about Rio and then he, he, he got he came up with the idea of doing the syncopation on the bass i'm like that's that's the sound right there that's the whole deal mm-hmm. and about how you know when they were doing the power station you know he they were they were going to do something and then he had to meet with robert palmer so they went to he went to down to the caribbean somewhere he's like which is what you did during the 80s i'm like <laughs> i can only imagine that yeah, it's it's just a really cool. He he does a very good job of explaining how the songs come together. And I am not a songwriter. And and I, I was talking to my wife, and I don't know if we talked about this before. Like when you build a house, mm-hmm. right? You got to build it the same way. You got to put the you got to put the foundation up. You got to put the frame. Then you can put the roof on. Song you can write any way that you want. That's right. And it's cool to, to to hear how okay, this is how they did it. This is how you got to where you were. It's really cool. And he's very eloquent. Mm. He is as somebody pointed out annoying handsome just i mean just a really but but they all seem like really cool like almost down-to-earth guys which it's probably because they're english you know if they were americans they would just be you know axel rose but just 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 somebody like you could sit there and talk to like you just tell me about the music i don't know they they all seem very approachable even though maybe they're not i don't know yeah i i kind of from the documentary i got some things you know i i kind of like roger taylor he's the quiet one of course you know nick and john and simon are always looking for attention and, and talking and leading the way and stuff like that. And Roger just, he just kind of chills there, you know, it's like, like and, and certainly the, the models that run after the lead singer and the cute bass player and all that. But I think the guy who's like, just kind of with a good smile and quiet, doesn't say much. I think the, the girls kind of flock over to him too, man. And he was, you know, he was married to a model for a long time. They had kids. Eventually they, they were divorced and in the early part of 2000s, in his 40s, he was one of Britain's most eligible bachelors, along with William, who had not yet married Kate, and along with <laughs> Hugh Grant, who has never been married. Yeah, because he's rich and he's still good looking, and now his band's back on top of the world. And like, you know, and yes. Well, I thought it was interesting. We're talking about Roger as far as like, you know, the, like the, the Arcadia was... Simon and Nick mm-hmm. power station was Andy and John and, and Roger was kind of he, he had kind of had a foot in both of them like I think he was a dude that's like oh I don't want the band to break uh, eh, come on guys let's you know I don't, I don't want to be I don't want to be the uh, you know the child that everybody's fighting about and and so I think he took that the hardest and I think that's why he left but yeah he just seems like the coolest dude on the face of the earth. Just, you know, the guy that's never in a bad mood just mm-hmm. always you know so and, and I think that a band 
if you if you want to have a successful band, you have to have somebody like that. You got to have the person that's driven or people that are driven. They'll never give up. They'll never they'll never settle for anything but number one. And then you got to have the guy that's like, you know what? It's okay. Let's it's it's not that big of a deal. Let's you know let's keep on keeping on because other than that, it would just implode. Yeah, and he pulled back for for years and years. Basically said, okay, got my money. Got a beautiful wife. Let's go have a family. You know, let's move out to the country. And that's what he did. God bless him for making that decision because some people don't know when to get off. Um, and he didn't work. You know, I mean, Andy Taylor continued to work and produce and do stuff. Nick Rhodes produced all sorts of stuff. And John, you know, continues to play. Once in a while, Simon might get to do a solo thing. But, you know, I think you know, to his credit, he's never really done a, a, a lot of try to be a solo singer, which is usually the way it goes. Like at some point, they're going to pull you off to make a solo right. album or push you out there. Like you can front and you can do some of your old. Duran songs too. Taylor's made a lot of solo albums, but that's a little different. Yeah, he's more of a yeah, he's more of a he lends himself to things. But I mean, let's face it, they've sold in excess of a hundred million records. That's kind that's the kind of money that it's like you know what? If I do something cool, if I don't, eh, it's okay too. Yeah, and it's a hundred million just sounds low to me. Every time I see something quoted like Rio sold two million in America, I'm like, dude, it sold like ten million. Are you kidding me? Two million. It just seemed like it, it was it was on it went on forever, you know. I would I would say the same thing because they said that and it seemed low to me. But another thing, real quick on Rio, mm. that album cover again, mm. going back to the MTV thing, that it was just everything was perfect on that record, including that. Like, what is that? Is that a is that a real person? Is that a is that a uh, just somebody something that somebody came up with? Like, is that supposed to be real? Who, what is that's just. You know what it is. You don't, it doesn't have to say anything on there. You know, if you saw that painting somewhere, that's Rio from Duran Duran. Yeah. It's fantastic. Uh, it's a painting by Patrick Nagel. Patrick had had his work featured in Playboy for years and years. And I guess their manager, who was a fan of the magazine, you know, <laughs> got his hands on some Nagels. But you're right. I mean, it has a certain color, certain brightness, you know, mm-hmm. um, but also certain realism. And it fit with the 80s. It fit with the time. It fit with the fashion. Now, you know, you <laughs> You can see some of those kind of Nagel prints in like salons that are in strip malls, you know, that like <laughs> they've been posters that have been hanging there since 1988 or something like that. You know? But to me, that that's one of those deals where it's like that could have almost been a standalone thing. Like you could put that you could have put that up in your house. Uh, you know, you could have put you could put the record cover up and say, oh, well, that's interesting to look at. It's not just a photo. Uh, it's kind of like the Roger Dean covers that we had talked about before. It's a standalone hmm. part of what makes the album great. Oh, that's an interesting way to, to look at it. Yeah, you know, and it wasn't something they did every time, but it was. It, it's what made Rio super special. I mean, look, mm-hmm. Duran Duran, the first album was a picture of the band on the front, which we know we're fran- all not great fans of. And then... Their name, Duran Duran, but it was before they had the kind of the two Ds with the one going yeah. kind of italicized. It's before they had that. So, you know, that's not that wasn't much of an image for a very image focused centric band. But Rio captured it on the nose. Iconic. Yes. Yeah. And and I think there are people I think there are people that maybe aren't fans of the band who couldn't tell you one song, but they're like, oh yeah, I've seen that before. I know what that is. I, I, it's, or they might even know it's Duran Duran, even if they hadn't been a big fan of the music. And then, uh, you know, they went on and did Seven and the Ragged Tiger, which was a photo. But again, that was a very stylized, right. uh, I'm sure they spent a long time picking out, you know, who was going to wear what in the whole photo session, unlike the Duran Duran album where it's like, hey guys, look over here and click. Okay, anyway, <laughs> uh, now we've got that taken care of. Well, it's interesting, you know, their first album, which had... Had girls on film and planet earth obviously that came out in 1981 rio came in 1982 but i feel like i saw rio first as far as the video went it's possible mm-hmm. i saw one of the others before but those that they did in sri lanka which was hungry like the wolf and then rio and say save a prayer and some of the others they made while they were in antigua because they kind of made like long form lots of videos several videos they didn't always get played on mtv but i taped something off showtime once which was basically a video album of duran duran and it showed everything that they did when they were down the islands there but i I saw that stuff first and they mixed back in planet earth and girls on film more just because rio was so big and they wanted to play more duran duran and they got so many duran duran requests 
But then on Capitol Records in America, they decided, all right, Rio blows up and it's huge. They've got a new single, Is There Something I Should Know? Let's release that on the first album. Let's re-release the first album. This time we'll do up the cover with the right kind of Duran Duran logo. And we'll put Is There Something I Should Know on there and move To the Shore. You know, the To, to the Shore was already, yeah, here's the, there's a funky thing with Duran Duran's album in that, okay, it was released. Different in UK and different in America. So in 1981, the original release had Girls on Film, Planet Earth, Anyone Out There, which is a good song I like. To the Short, a, a song that I didn't know. Um, and then Careless Memories, which I think they made a video for also. Those are the first five songs that's side one. In the US, they took the long version of Planet Earth, one of those night remixes you were talking about. <clears throat> and they so, so instead of three and a half minutes or whatever, it's now it's six and a half minutes. And then they take off To the Short. So that was never on the American release, okay, both in 1981, and the side the side twos are the same for both versions. Okay, then in 1983, they have the new single, Is There Something I Should Know? So they released that on the album, Duran Duran, this time taking Planet Earth back to its original album form. Okay, so that makes a lot of sense because I remember when, I remember watching Is There Something I Should Know? And it was like, Oh, that's on the first record. Okay, that was just, you know, we were just kind of catching up to it then. Right. Because when when MTV came out, that was already in the can. Like, that that record had already passed. Right. So that's interesting now that they, they kind of took it and snuck it back onto the first record and re-released it as something new. Right. A repackage of something new. Okay, that makes a lot more sense to me now. Because I always thought that that was an old song, but it wasn't. But it wasn't, it was yeah. New. And you can tell by the way they look, their hair and their, their mm-hmm. clothes and, and just... Their faces filled out. I mean, they were like teenagers, 20 years old when they made their first videos. They were, you know, still kids. Now they've been having, you know, a little bit of the high life. They're grown up. They've met some women, not just girls. And, you know, it changes you a little bit. And you can tell. Yeah, and, the, and the please, please tell me now chorus or, you know, chant is so iconic. And the video was huge. And see, that was the one that I really remember. I don't know if I had just gotten old enough at that point to be like understanding music better and like putting it back in like, oh, I know Rio and I know Save a Prayer and I know Girls on Film and those others. And now I, you know, I own five or six tapes and a couple of them were Duran Duran. But yeah, yeah, that's interesting too, because because that now that I'm thinking about that song, while we were talking about John Taylor's bass, that is a song with a guitar hook that... The, the the that's the first thing that you hear is that okay that's on the guitar that's not a bass driven song so that was a little bit of a change up too and they had you know they had the video where they're walking up those stairs and mm-hmm. they're in that and they all have the same outfit on and right. it, it made them really look like a band okay we're all you know we we've got the same we're all headed in the same direction with the same look we got this big song coming out and you're right if you do if you go back and look at it yeah they don't even look anything the same like the planet earth video right they don't know what they're doing they're just kind of flumping around on stage i think simon lebon has a straight up pirate shirt on <laughs> with the, the frills in the front of it and everything yeah he looks like a kind of a pirate um <laughs> but that was the new romantic look right they all kind of have yes. those frilly shirts yes. you know but and, no, and the, the thing is looking yeah stuff. military stuff yeah very adam ant but you know when they remastered these things, as you know, all big bands get all their big records remastered with extra tracks and stuff like that. That song, Is There Something I Should Know, ended up on the Seven and the Ragged Tiger album because that's the one it would have come out on. You know, that, that was the era of that song, not the first record. And I just like, that, that's kind of interesting. You know, and, and they did make some interesting B sides, um, uh, you know, that, that I've gone back and listened to, you know, and, and to hear that to the shore, which I'd never heard before. I liked it, you know, reminding myself what some of these were like. It's been fun. You know, it was it was a fun couple of days, like listening to this old uh, stuff. Some of it sounds dated, but it still it sounds good. It sounds of an era. My, my big thing with, with wanting to do this show was that it's been I don't know if we talked about this before, but I, I heard a snippet of an interview with The Edge and Bono talking about how they're finally old enough in their lives to say, I really like the Bee Gees. I really like the way they put songs together. I like the harmonies. You couldn't have said that when I was 20 years old. I kind of feel the same way about Duran Duran. Like you can go back and say, you know what? I don't care. These guys wrote good songs. The, the other kind of cool thing too was if you listen to the lyrics, they're a lot 
I don't, I don't want to say they're nonsensical, but it's not like I met this girl, she was fine. Like they're they're kind of they're like, well, what's he talking about? They're there? oblique, like, yeah. They're, they're yeah, not straightforward, yeah. which makes them cool. And they even, they even mentioned that in the documentary. Like you know, yes, that's the way Simon wrote early on, but as you got older, you had to go maybe a little bit more personal. And and that's what made them. That's what gave them a continued career is that they became grown ups. You know, they became grown up rock stars. They're thinking about real things, not just you know adventure and mystery and romance you know there's there's other things hard things in life too there, there was some song i was listening to i can't remember it was about the same era and it was like this is just terrible like this <laughs> i know this was a hit in 1983 and then for the life of me i can't remember what it was but i was i was kind of listening to it like with the same ear i'm like this is just garbage mm-hmm. this was just a track it was i don't know if it was lazy but the lyrics are really bad it, you know did, uh, the, I met a girl uh, she was uh, from the world like the, you know you're just rhyming words like it's, right. it's ridiculous but this is all like you know you could it, what is he talking about like what is he you know got so far before please please tell me now wait what what huh and so it, and, and to package that with a with a track that's still sounds pretty good like you said there are some of these that are like ooh that's a yeah. that's an eight you know that's that's a throwaway but a lot of these things are pretty good and like for uh like with hungry like the wolf mm-hmm. like that that laugh at the beginning oh. like oh i know what this is and then bam right into it yeah absolutely you know so the one i actually like listening to the most was seven and the ragged tiger because i think i had listened to that the least and i really just listened to like reflex and new on monday and union of the snake and that's it like i was just okay. flipping the tape back in the day i'm with you Looking for cracks in the pavement, I'm like, there's something off about that song. I didn't, you know, I didn't like that that much. But then Shadows on Your Side, I like. I'm like, that could have been a single. That was a better song than I ever remember. Then I, but I remember at the time, I didn't know what Seven and the Ragged Tiger meant. It's a weird title. I mean, nobody's going to hear that. No, I know exactly what that is. It turns out it was about the seven of them, right? The five band members, the two managers. And the Ragged Tiger, I guess, was a metaphor for success. Um, and so it's them chasing their success, chasing it all over the globe. But when I got this as a kid, the second to last song is Tiger, Tiger, and the last song is The Seven Strangers. So I figure mm-hmm. these two songs have something to do with the crux of this story, like why we call it this or whatever. And then Tiger, Tiger is this odd kind of instrumental song. It's not bad, um, but there's no lyrics or anything. And then The Seven Stranger is just kind of, it's more like the thing you end up, the I don't know, it was weird. You just kind of end the album with it. I was just, I couldn't get wait to get back to The Reflex, right? And I didn't have the single version of The Reflex, which now Rogers beefed up. I had the album version. Yeah, I think this, I'm in the same camp with you. By the by, the time that this one came out, I was just interested in the singles. But I mean, you know, you figure you had out of nine songs on here, three of them were singles and they were big. big. I mean, The Reflex, New Moon on Monday and Union of the Snake. I mean, they were, even though I think New Moon on Monday was probably the, the less popular of those three. It was still a pretty big deal. So, yeah, I, I never really got into this album all that much. And by that point in time, by that point in time, too, they were so big that that I don't think they couldn't get out of their own way. But the, the reflex was interesting because in that stone groove deal, Taylor says that was done. Mm-hmm. They had it done. And that was going to be the that was going to be the first single. They were getting ready to put this thing out. I mean, there was a ton of expectation and they met Niall Rodgers, met up with him and they were like, can you take a look at this and see if there's something that we're not seeing it? I can't imagine that the record company people must have had a stroke when they're like, you're doing what? You're <laughs> remixing? No, you can't do that. But then it was it was a hit. It was a giant hit. It, it kept them from sputtering out. Yeah, it was the right call. But I can't even imagine back then. It was like, you're going back into the studio? No, you can't do that. Well, yeah, actually we can yeah, and it was the right call. And all those videos were big production, you know, mm-hmm. on site or or in enormous studio doing something amazing. But huge, big budget, fun videos. And there's you know, New Moon on Monday. At the end, they're just hopping around basically. At the end with fireworks going on, like yeah, you know, just having a good time. Are you boys? You know, it's <laughs> pretty good gig. But see, then after this, it's kind of over. They make the Wild Boys and the Arena, the live album. Uh, and I was disappointed they never released arena with like the full at some point did like the full concert because they would do two hours they would do like 18 songs and i think there's nine eight or nine live songs on arena plus wild boys which was the the single to get you to buy arena and then after that they did view to a kill and then they they kind of went their separate ways they captured a moment in time they they couldn't be bigger you can't 
tell the story of MTV without Duran Duran. Yeah, I think that without them, it would have been, I, I, I'm not saying that MTV would not have been a thing, but it would have been a lot different had they not caught lightning in the bottle with these guys that could that had it all. And, and, all. and that's the weird thing. And I think the, the problem in the United States is that you can't you can't be everything. That's the problem. You can't be good looking <laughs> and have great songs and have great we won't let you do that. So okay. that's and longevity, kind of, right? You can yes. you, right that, that's right. one thing we can always make sure of. Well not gonna have longevity because we're just not gonna like you anymore. Right. So I think they kind of got dismissed as like, oh well you know their songs really aren't that good and they're just pop songs. They're really not. I mean they're you can really go back and listen to them and and the, the fact that they were so huge it's it's at a time when the clips from the movie where they were having like i mean at one point in time like i thought those people were coming through the car window they were bashing on it so hard to have that kind of fame and being a 20 something year old i mean I it's, it's it's insane it is insane it was the closest thing to beatlemania that you and i saw in our lifetimes i think i'm trying yeah. to think i mean there's a, there's always going to be girls who throw themselves at boys and stuff like that it was something else it was a, it, it was a real happening and it, it informed the culture you know and they're very much in pop culture you mentioned it when they're in power station like sometimes their clothes look like they were on uh miami vice john taylor was on miami vice man Correct. He, he he had a shot with uh, don johnson there and they were talking about how they were introducing michael disbars um who, yeah. who was replacing Robert Palmer? He's like, you'll never know the difference, or you'll never hear yeah. the difference. I'm like, well, you might, but anyway. Uh, you know, he is, of course, most famous for being a detective who signed a salon song. Uh, the Led Zeppelin label, Jimmy Page, was supposed to help produce them, but I think he was busy doing heroin instead. Um, and then, of course, he married Miss Pamela, one of the world's famous groupies who was a ingenue of Jimmy Page's until I think she aged out, probably at 22. Um, <laughs> Actually, I had Detectives' first album. It's pretty good. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's just it's it's crazy because when you go back and, and I've I've become a I've become a big fan of you. You had part of it, or you had a little bit of it. Right. And there's a lot of songs out there that have they've got something that you're like, oh, that's pretty cool. But the rest of this is just not very good. I know. To put everything together like that is. And to do it again and again and again, I mean, again, you, you want to talk about, you put everything together, but you did it once, okay? You had that one song or that one record to, to, to keep doing that and to keep being successful and the amount of pressure back to Seven and the Ragged Tiger mm -hmm. that was on this thing. You knew people were going to, they wanted it to be, they wanted it to fail. They wanted it to be like, ah, see, I told you, these guys weren't really good. To, to do it again just speaks to they are they were really good at what they did and still are I agree yeah and obviously they've proven it and the four of them I mean Andy Taylor left in, in 2006 but the four of them have carried on basically ever since you know continuing to put out new records continue to tour they had a big hit in 2018 I think it was on both sides of the Atlantic and, and big here so good on them and yes I was going to take the girls to see Duran Duran they were scheduled to play in Hyde Park this I'm wow. sorry no this this July, yeah. um, and it recently came out. They've postponed that to July of 2022. So I, I hope we'll still be here at that point because I don't think I'm going to fly back to see Duran Duran. If I have to fly back to see Genesis, as much as I paid for those tickets, the, the plane tickets back will be cheaper. Okay. <laughs> Just about, you know. So if I have to come back, that's one thing. But I don't, I don't know if I'm going to fly back for Duran Duran. So we'll, we'll hope. I think it'd be fun to take the girls too. I think they'd love it. And that would be a cool show. And I think it would be a, it, especially in Hyde Park, because that's that's a cool venue too. It's not like you know you're in the in Detroit or something like that. I mean, it's a, it's a cool, cool deal. spot. And we can walk home. Kind of, you know, it's great. Yeah, right. And to kind of see them on the home turf is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. It's just. It's the band you always wanted to hate, I think, but you just, I don't think that you can. I don't, I think that they've got enough in the, in the plus category that they did have it all. Yeah, no, look, I, people definitely hated them. Like, you know, I had buddies, they were the first band I ever put on my wall. I got the arena poster mm -hmm. uh, and I had it on my wall. And I remember a couple guys coming up and like, you know, smacking the guys in the face. Like, look at Nick Rhodes. <laughs> what is he getting? <laughs> you know, they're, they're nasty about it. I'm like, yeah, but. Dude, th these are the these are the best records that have come out in the two years that I've been listening to records. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, and 
and, I, and I, that could have been part of it too is that you know we, there were albums that had come out before we knew what was going on and it that was like somebody else's but this was new this was happening now at that point in time you felt like you were part of it not looking back that's so right. I think that was a lot of it also that's right yeah and of course we've gotten into most of our shows about records that came out before we heard them you know for mm-hmm. the first time you know before we were born sometimes certainly bands that started before we were born but yeah, this was of our moment, and it belonged to us, and we got it not only through the radio, but through the TV. MTV was so huge for us and for our friends. And it gave you, you know, when you met people, if you traveled around the nation, it gave you something in common, you know. It, uh, you go to camp, or, you, you know, you go on a trip or whatever, you meet other kids, you, you know the same songs, because... There's only one MTV. There's lots of radio stations, but there's only one MTV. Right. Yeah, I think that was a big galvanizing force, too, because it, there was no, especially back then, there was no syndicated radio. Right. It was all just just channels. You know, if you lived there, there was a cool channel you listened But if you met somebody from somewhere else, they'd never heard of that before. So, yeah, MTV was, yeah, I was watching it last night. We could watch the same program or the same videos. And, yeah, it, it, it brought everybody together ahead of uh, radio syndication. I think that, I think they would the first one to realize no we've got to spend money on these things Mm -hmm. even ahead of michael jackson because if if you have these if the song is good and you look good but the production is crap or it's in somebody's you know backyard or something eh, that doesn't that's not gonna fly you have have the whole package yeah you gotta stand out right let's put it on right 35 millimeter film let's get a real director you know let's go to exotic locales let's get the get the wardrobe up to speed you know let's let's have this look like something special duran duran got that and so the image you know, now here's the thing throughout the 80s, thanks to MTV, and you get into the mid 80s when you got like the Tina Turner, Phil Collins, Steve Winwood, softer rock, you know, coming in. Mm-hmm. I, I think that started to work against them too, but the fashion thing continued to go. It just kind of became more conservative and less, I don't know, less, people took less risks, I feel like, as we went through the 80s. <laughs> Yeah, you mentioned the tax exile thing because I think that added to the pressure too. In 1983, they made Seven and the Ragged Tiger. Yeah, they retreated to France, through Chateau in France, which is what you do when you're a tax exile. The Stones did that for Exile on Main Street. But then they also did a little recording in the UK when they had to go back and do a video or do Top of the Pops. They went to Montserrat to George Martin's Air Studios, but they also did some of it in Australia because they had to do an Australia tour over there. So then they, they recorded there. I'm like, now that sounds incredible. But if all that happens within the span of months, like, yes, we're kicked out of England and then we go to France and work there. But then we go to the Caribbean. But then we go back to England so we can do a TV show and do a little recording and then we go to Australia sounds amazing but it also sounds exhausting and the other problem too is you have no restraints on what you can purchase (laughs) and you also have no restraints on it doesn't sound like there was anybody there saying you know what that's probably a bad idea so yeah bad habits can can creep in there can be you know uh, like what did LeBron say you know I mean you could sleep alone but I mean (laughs) who wants to do that that's not very fun so yeah it's, it's just like you said it sounds great oh you know let's run away but yeah just exhausting for a 20 something year old dude who has been given all of this fame and money and and now i mean could you imagine that like you can't like you're having fun in england right but you can come back to the united states anytime you want right it's not a big not like oh i can't i can't come back there i can't i'm not allowed (laughs) i don't know what the repercussions would be but i mean just that whole thing if you can't go back to your home like that's weighs on you it'd be tough well another thing that i loved that i took out of the documentary was to this day john taylor still carries around like french vogue and italian vogue and not because he (sighs) wants to stay up on styles but because that used to be a catalog of girls for them back in the day and that's how simon met his wife he saw her in a magazine and said, okay, ring up her agent and, you know, tell her to come to a show or we can go to a party or something like that. Yeah, I mean, that's the way John Taylor looked at it for years. It's not style magazine. It's a girl magazine. So it was, yes, it was to to check out style, but it was also a catalog of like, ooh, she she could, she she looks, let's get her in the next video, you know. Hope you guys enjoyed this trip down memory lane with Duran Duran. Gotta say, the 80s and MTV growing up would not have been the same without them. They had a lot of style, they had a lot of charisma. 
They also had a lot of talent and some great tunes to back all that up. For those who consider them a boy band, I think you're missing out. I, I think you don't know what you're talking about, and you should really go back and check out some of that stuff. And go ahead and check out what they've done in the last 25 years, too. It's a little funkier, it's a little more grown-up, a little more R&B, with still some great pop sensibilities. And I'm just glad that they're still going. I really hope I get the chance to take the girls to see them next summer. Now, to clean up a couple of things, it was actually Asia's third album, Astra, that they were going to call Arcadia. Aurora was spun out a little bit later, and Too Late was a 12-inch single, really released as promotion only, and that's probably why it ended up on Aurora with the three B-sides. And does that mean we're going to go a little bit more in-depth on Asia? Maybe so. We've got a 25th show coming up here soon. That might be a good topic for us. But next time, we're going to dive back into our harder rock, bluesy roots. We're going to go down the road with Aerosmith. And in the early 90s, when Gary and I were living together, they put out a box set called Pandora's Box with all sorts of stuff from the 70s and the early 80s, B-sides, rarities, unreleased stuff. It really helped us get into Aerosmith and appreciate them because they were back in a big way in the late 80s and early 90s. But this gave us a look into their old stuff. Once again, folks, we appreciate everybody listening. And we want to know, do we get something right? Do we get something wrong? Do we miss your favorite part? You have to let us know. Follow us and tweet us at ugly underscore werewolf and check out all past episodes at www.uglyamericanwerewolf.libsyn.com. Until next time, rock and rollers all over the world, be cool and stay safe. Maryland sports fans, there's only one sports book in the great state of Maryland with over 50 years experience booking bets and supporting customers. Betfred Sportsbook at Long Shots is now open and is the only sports book in Frederick offering cash betting on football, basketball, world soccer, and more. Visit the Betfred Sportsbook at I-270 and MD-85 in Frederick, right next to Longshot's off-track betting. Go to BetfredSports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.